know your market. We started investing in Pensacola three years ago. It is not the same market as it was three years ago today. Prices are high. Rents are following. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us. And he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. Uh, When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's uh, brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Jay Helms, how you doing, Jay? I'm great, Joe. Thank you for asking. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, and I thank you for asking. And a little bit about Jay. He started investing in 2006 with single and multifamily homes. Over the last 12 months, he's added 46 units to his portfolio. We'll talk about that. He's based in Pensacola, Florida. With that being said, Jay, will you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, so 2006, as we all now know, was the height of most of the markets. And my first, well, it wasn't actually my first purchase, but it was my first live-in flip purchase. I was a single guy at the time. Thankfully, now my wife eventually moved in with me and saved me from making some horrible design decisions. But we bought it at the height of the market. 
lived in it while we were flipping it, which basically laid the groundwork for what we're doing now with two kids. So it makes it a little bit more challenging, but that was it. That was the first purchase. And then we kind of put a pause button on everything, just the way the market was going. We didn't really know what was going on. And that property was actually in Birmingham, Alabama. And I like to call that my false start, right? (laughs) And, And the true start happened in 2014. We had already moved to Pensacola. We had been down here for a few years and we really got a sense of and really started focusing on what the market was doing and how it was recovering. So we had held on to the house in Birmingham, turned it into a rental property. We finished all the renovations that we wanted to do and held on to it for a rental property. We held on to that thing for about 10 years until it was right to get rid of it. And we walked away with some equity and then we took that equity and put it directly into some single family homes down here in Pensacola. That was been our focus for several years. And then last year, about this time, actually, we closed on a 42-unit apartment complex over in Mobile County, Alabama, with a couple of partners. So that's the big bulk of the 46 units in the last year, but it has been an interesting and a great learning experience along the way. Yeah, we'll focus most of our conversation on this 42-unit, but just so I am understanding correctly, because I was with you up until when you said you sold the one in Birmingham and put that into some single family homes in Pensacola, because in my mind, properties in Pensacola are much more expensive than Birmingham. So what are the numbers on the Birmingham property? So the Birmingham property we bought for 216. We put in, I think it was around 42, 45 in the rehab. And then we ended up selling it for 246. So Over that 10 years, as we had as a rental property, that our equity was being built by the renters that were living there. So we took that money. And when you say Pensacola, there are some areas of Pensacola, just like anywhere, right, where you have luxury homes. And there are areas where there are up and coming neighborhoods that are going through some revitalization. So we were able to take that equity and put it into some of those real niche, real small neighborhoods that were up and coming, if that makes sense. Yeah. Let me make sure I got the numbers right. You bought it for two hundred and sixteen thousand, put in forty two to forty five, just using forty two. You're all in at two fifty eight. But then you said you sold it for two forty six? Two forty six, yeah. So on paper it looks like we lost money. And uh-huh. we did. That was a huge learning experience for us, putting ourselves through school on that one. And the main reason that I sold it. I started listening to podcasts and trying to understand the buy and hold market because fixing and flipping is the sexy thing to do, right? So that's what we were trying to get into. And I was like, well, what makes more sense for us is buy and hold. So let's look at how this property in Birmingham is actually doing if we analyze it correctly. And Joe, what I came up with is that property, just because of where it was located and the rental rates and everything that was going on in that market, it was costing me several hundred dollars a month to keep it. Mm-hmm. And when I figured that out, I talked to my realtor and I said, look, we just got to get rid of it. I've got some equity into it now. I'm not going to have to come to closing with anything. Let's just get rid of it. So I walked away from that property with about 41 in cash. Okay. You had 41 in cash and then you use that as a down payment for a couple properties or what'd you do? So we took that. We actually found a foreclosure. It was a one bedroom, one bath house. We paid cash for it and did the renovations. We were all in with that one for about 30 grand. And that rented right away for $600 a month. And it stayed rented the entire time that we had it. 
And this last February, I had some really great tenants in there. And I told myself and, and my wife, we talked about, hey, once these tenants leave, let's look and see if we can sell it. Well, we tried that. Nothing came about. Well, then a gentleman approached me. I guess he'd been looking at the house and kind of watching it and said, hey, I really want to buy this house from you. What will you take for it? So we agreed on a price. Tenant's still in it. It's still cash flowing. Great numbers. And when I say great numbers, it's cash flowing three three fifty a month from a cash flow perspective after all expenses are covered. And he paid me fifty grand for it. And I was happy with the price. He was happy with the price. And then we turned around and took that fifty grand and ten thirty one exchanged it into a fourplex. Really? You ten thirty one exchanged fifty k. Yep. Wow. Into a fourplex. What are the numbers on that? The purchase price was 145 rents or 550 for each unit. Tenants are responsible for all utilities. It comes out cash flowing about $600 a month once all expenses are paid. Did you have to put any money into it in order to get tenants to move in? No, it's fully occupied. This was what I refer to as the little yellow house, which is that one bedroom, one half, one bath house that we just talked about. We sold it it was an off market deal. The fourplex that we purchased with that 1031 exchange was an off market deal. And we came about the fourplex through our local RIA meetup. Mm. How'd that go down? Well, have you ever done a 1031? Yes. Sorry. That was a very broad question. When I said, how'd that go down? I meant how specifically did you hear about it at the meetup? So with the 1031, you've got certain timelines that you've got to meet. And I'd reached out to all the realtors that I'd worked with in the past and some new ones and saying, look, guys, I'm under a 1031 clock. I've got to do something. Otherwise, I'm going to be penalized pretty heavily. And I couldn't get anything. I kept getting listings from the MLS. And right now, especially for the Pensacola market, there's nothing that meets our investing criteria. So our local RIA has a closed Facebook group. And I just posted in there. I said, hey, you know, here's what I'm looking for. I am under 1031 exchange clock. Let me know what you got. And I got two or three people that responded immediately and saying, Hey, I've got this listing. I've got this off market deal. And this one had the best numbers. All right, cool. So now 42 units with you and some partners, please tell us the story. So I say my main partner, Tim Kelly, and I met through one of the social media groups that focuses on real estate investing. Which one? And Bigger Pockets. Okay, cool. Love Bigger Pockets. Yeah, those guys are great. So he and I met through there. Actually, we were linked up by a local realtor that had been talking to us individually and knew we shared some of the same goals. So we all went and sat down and had some Mexican, drank some, drank some beer and started talking about how can we put a deal together. So Tim and I finally ended up working on a deal over in, again, in Mobile County, Alabama. And it was a distressed seller. He had bought it about 10 years ago. He was an elderly man. He was in his mid-70s. He was living there through the week, trying to self-manage, trying to do the maintenance himself, the lawn care himself. And the property was just in really bad repair. Had a lot of deferred maintenance. And we went through several months of negotiating with him. And then after we got it under contract for 700000 we started raising money. So we started reaching out again back to our local RIA group. And we partnered with two other members from our local RIA group on this deal. And then we all made it happen. 25% across the board or different split? Different split. So we basically split it up into class A and class B membership to where class B membership are your asset managers like myself and Tim and the two other members. 
And then the class A members are the money guys who brought most of the capital for us to close. Okay. So you have three other class B partners and then you have passive investors. Correct. Okay. But in terms of the class B partners, you and the three other partners, is that 25% each or how did you split it up? That is 10% each. 10% each. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I'm referring to the, I, I, again, my questions aren't very good with you. I'm sorry about that. Okay. I'm referring to the general partnership. How did you four split up the general partnership? 10% each. Basically what we did is the class A members had 60% equity. Class uh-huh. B members had 40% equity. And then we split the class B membership. Since there's four of us, we split it up 10% each way. So there's four members total in the class B. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. But the only people in the class B are four people. So in essence, you each have 25% of the general partnership. Of that. And then you have 10% of the overall deal. Correct. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Got it. 700K purchase price. How much do you have to allocate for renovations? On top of the 700, we allocated 200 grand for renovations. And that included complete remodel of 12 units. There's seven buildings on the property. So we painted the exterior of all seven buildings. We upgraded the playground equipment, which had been there, I think, since the property was built in the early 80s. We renovated the laundry facility with new equipment. We got new signage, repaved and restriped the parking lot. And the fun thing about this apartment complex, Joe, is we removed a beehive. It was one of the unoccupied units. We removed a beehive from this thing that was at least five years old. Oh my gosh. That's what the beekeeper, we had to hire a professional beekeeper to come in and remove (laughs) and take all this stuff out. But it was in the rafters of the ceiling. So you had to cut the sheetrock back. And once you cut the sheetrock back, the comb in this thing was 18 inches by about six feet. Uh, But the cool thing is that I grabbed a bunch of the honey when they did it and packaged that up and ran it through some filters and cleaned it up and jarred it and put some labels on it. And we gave it to all of our investors and partners. And (laughs) I handed the jars over. I I jokingly said, Hey, either this is going to be the most expensive jar of honey you've ever purchased or this, or consider this your first dividend. (laughs) I love it. Everybody got a good kick out of it. So uh, it's an interesting story. Oh, it's so great. I was going to ask you some follow-up questions about honey and what you do with it, but you just roll with it. You, you, (laughs) you did all that stuff. That's great. That's awesome. The $200,000 in renovations, you did a whole lot for $200,000. What was the most expensive item and how much was it, if you can remember? The most expensive singular item was probably repaving, restriping the parking lot. That came in at about twenty-five grand. But individually, one of the things that we ran into we weren't expecting and they just didn't show up during due diligence was when we got in to renovate some of these units, we had a budget. There's a mix of one, two, and three bedroom units. So our budget was six grand for the one, seven grand for two, and, and eight grand for the three. We've went over that budget. So we've had to really concentrate on finding better deals. And the parking lot was one of those deals. The first quote I think we got for the parking lot was around 60 grand, mm-hmm. it was 62.5. So one of our other partners said, no, 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 that's way too expensive. I got this guy I've used before. Let's give him a call. And he came in and did 25 grand, the same job and did a phenomenal job. And what about painting the exterior of all the buildings? How much was that? That was around 22, 
So it's right there as being closest to the most expensive. And probably why it's not more is the bottom. So this is two-story buildings. The bottom is brick. So we left that alone. Okay. And then just painted the, the, the top level. For someone who's listening who has not put together a deal of this size and they hear your story, like 42 units, that's incredible. They're doing this value-add business plan. They must be instant multimillionaires as a result of the deal. I doubt anyone's saying instant multimillionaires, but <laughs> yeah. how, how, much, how much have you made in this deal? Just to give a sense to the listeners of what's possible when you do a deal like this. It is a value-add deal. So first year, we did not project to make any returns to our investors, and I'm glad we didn't because we haven't <laughs> yet. You gave them the honey. Yeah. <laughs> they got that wasn't money. in the projections. <laughs> You've exceeded expectations. Yeah. But our first year, we knew it was walking in. We knew it was going to be a mess. And the property was only 50% occupied at the time. And these were not necessarily tenants we would recruit. So we knew as we we're going through, and of course, you've done some of these where renovations and upgrades always take longer than expected. So that happened to us for sure. And then also we got rid of the bad tenants and we started getting great ones. And we also had a hiccup with property management. We've been through a property manager change in the last year since we bought it. So there's been a lot of different things that have come up. We've learned a lot, but we're on a path now to hit those projections. We've got to do some additional marketing. The property management we have now has done a great job. She's born and raised in the area, lives there as a broker in that area. So the word's getting out that she is now managing that property and she's filling up units faster than we can turn them around. So we're on a good path. Yeah. We haven't hit, we've hit our numbers according to our plan. I think everybody was hoping that we'd be further ahead, obviously, than we are right now. But the future's looking bright, as they say. Did you all have an acquisition fee or anything like that at closing that the general partnership was, or class B was compensated? We did. It was 2% of the purchase price. But what we did is we basically turned around and reinvested as class A partners. Okay. And some additional funds. Got it. Okay, cool. So you don't have money in your bank account right now as a result of this property yet. You could have, but you reinvested that money from the acquisition fee into the deal. Therefore, you have no profit personally to show for it yet, but you're working the business plan. Yeah, we are working the business plan. And if we were too far off from the business plan, I'd be stressed out <laughs> a lot more than I already am. But go back and look at our deal packages we put together and the business plan we have there and the things that we want to accomplish in year one. We've done that. There's some things in year two that we're already ahead of and the money's going to come. We're not necessarily worried about that. What did the management company not do that you needed them to do? To be frankly honest, they needed to tell the truth. They were just not very ethical people from where I sit. And how did you determine that? Well, there were some things that came up from move-ins and move-outs, specifically when tenants moved out, they did not clean, go back in and make sure the units were clean and make sure things were happening. So we had a little bit of a pest issue that we've dealt with. It's the biggest example that I can share with you. Okay. And there were certain things that came up for if a unit has been offline in this particular county for six months, you have to get a new inspection done from the city inspector to make sure it's up to code. So we worked with the city inspector to say, okay, what do we got to do to get the power turned back on at this unit? And he let us know, we approved the quote. Well, 
the maintenance men that they had didn't necessarily do, they tried to hide some things from the inspector. Like what? Ventilation of gas appliances, strictly the furnace and hot water heater. So in the city, the code is you've got to have a ventilation pipe for each appliance. So what they did, instead of running two exhaust through the roof, they punched a hole in the ceiling, ran two exhaust through the ceiling, and then tied them back together before they exhausted out through the roof. So the city inspector found it, of course. And we didn't know this was going on. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when we find out, hey, we're not passing inspection and it's been a few months, we're like, why not? And this is what's told to us. Certain bills weren't paid, things of that nature. They just weren't very honest. And that's on us. We should have done better due diligence when we were interviewing property managers to begin with. And how did you initially find them? And then how did you find your current management company? So as we had this property under contract and we started working through our due diligence items, I started calling just Google property management in Mobile, Alabama. Started calling everybody. Where this property is located is, is north of the county. It's almost out of the county. So a lot of the property management companies didn't want anything to do with it because of the distance. And when I say distance, it's about 30, 45 minutes outside of the city. But this one company, they convinced us they were extremely hungry and promptly returned our calls if they didn't answer right away. I guess in the beginning, we were in the honeymoon phase, and then we got to know each other after we got married, and it was not a pretty picture. And then the current property manager we have, she is actually, I'm going to get her title wrong, but basically she is part of the economic business development team for that city. So through our due diligence process and trying to find out, okay, how's the city growing? What's going on? How's the school systems? She was our main point of contact and she knew this property. Obviously she's lived there her entire life. She knew this property. She knew what kind of deferred maintenance was going on and disrepair and she was excited about somebody to come on board and really ramp it up to what it could be. So she was extremely beneficial and helpful throughout the whole due diligence process and working with us. So we eventually just approached her and said, hey, her business has some property management pieces of it. None of it apartment complex related, but the relationship there is so good. And she appears to be extremely honest and helpful that we just said, hey, what do you think about taking it over? Matter of fact, she might have approached us about taking it over. What is one question you would ask a future management company that you didn't ask the first one? Tell me about your team on the ground. Who do you have that's within a five to 10 mile radius of the property that we're looking to buy? Mm -hmm. So you're looking for proximity of current team members and then anything else any like one or two follow-up questions you'd have whenever they talk about their team on the ground? Well, the team on the ground is who do you have? Who do you know? Who are your contacts? But probably a more important question that I probably should have said this first is what is your plan to increase occupancy? What is your marketing plan? We're at 50% now. We've got some people that need to get out. We expect we're going to go down to 30% occupancy. Once those bad apples are out, we're finished with renovations what is your marketing strategy to fill it up and how do you foresee that plan out? And can we do some of that before we're completely finished with renovations? Because when renovations are going on, there is a lot that's happening and without your finger on the pulse constantly, things are going to get missed. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Know your market. We started investing in Pensacola three years ago. It is not the same market 
as it was three years ago today. Prices are high, rents are following our investing criteria. We probably, between my wife and I, we look at probably two or three properties a week, if not daily. Our last acquisition was in May and it was over in Mobile. (laughs) So I just say know your market, regardless of where you're going to invest, spend some time understanding and learning so you don't get yourself in a situation like I did in 2006. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbel. S-K-Y at easterneq.com. Need more investors for your fund, sales for your books or courses? Whether you're seeking investors or content sales, Luo Media Group is a digital marketing expert that can help make your marketing make money. Get a free consult at L-U-O-M-E-D-I-A-G-R-O-U-P.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book I've recently read... I'm going to have to bring it up on my phone because I just downloaded. So I'm an audiobook guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the car. So The Go-Giver? Ah, uh, Bob Berg. It's a good one. Yep, good story. Best ever deal that you've done? It's probably The Little Yellow House that we were talking about. We bought it for cash for 30 grand. Everybody told me I was crazy. Didn't know that you could buy houses for 30 grand. We turned around and sold it for 50 in the meantime, we made $300, about $350. Let's just call it $325 cash flow every month for the few years that we owned it. So that's been the best deal so far. What's a mistake on a transaction you've made? Oh, man. <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> so I'll give you a recent one. So the fourplex that we purchased that was the off-market, I assumed, just because every other transaction I've done where tenants were already in place, that the rent rolls... So if you close in the middle of the month that the new owner would get half the rent for that month already collected and the previous owner would get the other half. Well, in this case, we closed toward the beginning of the month and that was not part of the agreement. Mm-hmm. So it was basically, hey, you're getting a great deal. And I did. Now, there's competing properties in that area that are selling for 180, 200 that are not occupied, that are in similar condition. I got a great deal for it. It was just one of those things when we got to the closing table and we're looking at all the final numbers, I'm thinking, wait a minute, where is the prorated rents? And it wasn't part of the negotiation, which I always assumed was. Best ever way you like to give back? Doing interviews like this, I think I make a lot of mistakes (laughs) and I do blog about them. I haven't had a chance to write anything recently, but I do blog about them at helmsrei.com is where I kind of put everything in. There's that. I also have a Facebook group that's real estate investing for the W-2 employee because I think there's a misnomer out there that you have to choose one or the other. Either you've got to work or you've got to invest. And quite frankly, if you love your job, there's no reason why you can't invest also. I like educating people and it's a little bit selfish because the more I talk to people and the more I try to educate them, the more I actually learn. And I know that. So it's giving back, trying to educate others to follow in my footsteps. Well, certainly educated a lot on this call during our conversation from the 10-year false start. <laughs> There's a title of the next blog article for you, 10-year false start 
to this 42 unit, the lessons learned on the 42 unit, from questions you would ask the property management company to the type of clauses in the contract with prorated rents to the good stuff about finding a good deal, partnering up with people through bigger pockets that you met with in other ways. And then I love how we got into the specifics of different renovation costs and what you're doing and what was certain price. And shoot, the beehive too. How could I forget the beehive? Giving investors honey. So (laughs) thanks so much for being on the show, Jay. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. You too. Need more investors for your fund, sales for your books or courses? Whether you're seeking investors or content sales, Luo Media Group is a digital marketing expert that can help make your marketing make money. Get a free consult at L-U-O-M-E-D-I-A-G-R-O-U-P dot com forward slash best ever.